Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Coming to you on this August 13th is when we're recording this show. Yep. And it's very smoky outside my place. Forest fire season again. Yeah. And is that, are those the fires? Those aren't the fires from California. No, no. These are fires in our part of the world too. So yeah. the whole West Coast is kind of on fire. Oh, man. California's got it bad, but yeah. they're having a pretty serious season too. Do you remember that .NET Rocks live show that we did at, I think it was a PDC, and it was in fire season, and we yeah. had a couple of people from San Diego, Tim Huckabee and Michelle Rubustamante, driving up through the fires. Yeah, I remember. Oh, man. For obvious reasons. Nothing like blowing ash and smoke to you know, slow down your driving. Well, our heart goes out to those of you in California that are dealing with it. Yeah, stay safe, everyone. I hear it's like over 80 square miles now that it burned. Yeah, it's huge. Crazy. Mostly property loss. There's been a, a few uh, firemen who've lost their lives and a few yeah. people caught in it, but mostly homes. Yeah. Well, let's get started with a little thing we call Better Know Framework. <laughs> All right, dude, what do you got? Well, Postman. I've talked about Postman before. It's a solution for API development. Hmm. And I talked about it in Better Know Framework on uh, Mark Rendell's show a few years ago. Oh, yeah. But it's got some very cool capabilities that I hadn't noticed before. Is this stuff you're using in your current projects? No, but some of the other guys in AppV Next are. Oh, yeah. And they've been talking about it. So there's a documentation feature where you can document an API with examples, and it's like, instant updates, live, very cool. It can also now mock servers. So- Oh yeah. Yeah, front-end developers can simulate each endpoint in a Postman collection in a corresponding environment to view the potential responses without actually spinning up a backend. Nice. So you can just hand someone a Postman file that perfectly simulates requests and responses to your server. That's very clever. And it sounds like the test harness you'd use to validate your API turns into your examples and like just exactly not having to repeat yourself in terms of work to actually make an API that other people can use. That's exactly it. That's so clever. And like I said, just instantly updates. It's just, of course it does, because it's just web yeah. software, right? But yeah, when you apply it to something as centric to development as an API, mm -hmm. and you have all these tools and environments around it, it just makes everything a breeze. It's so smart. So smart. Cool. Nice find. Yeah. Getpostman.com. There you go. So who's talking to us today, Richard? Grab the Common Topic Show 1365, which we did with one James Montemagno. Maybe you heard of him. Uh, yeah, maybe. Back in October of 2016. We do a lot of shows with James, so it's not that unusual. It's just, no. you know, got to pick a particular comment. And this particular comment comes from Mike Cerny, who we've talked to many times. I'm pretty sure he's got a couple of mugs, but he's been a long-time listener. Hi, Mike. <laughs> I'm reading your comment from two years ago. Because he says, he leads off with, awesome show with the Mots. <laughs> the Mots? <laughs> the Mots? Okay, the Mots. The Mots. Is that your nickname, the Mots? The Mots? It is Mots, yes, Mots, yeah. Oh, Mots. Mots, yeah. Like mozzarella? <laughs> like mozza magno? Yeah, mozza magno. Yeah, mozza, it's a, <laughs> it's a terrible story, I like to say, from my childhood, which is not a good story, <laughs> so I don't tell it. But let's just say Mots is an abbreviation of my last name, Montemagno. We'll leave it at that. Okay. A little mangling, yeah. 
it's it's all positive though. No negatives, all positive. A lot of people. Good. It's all about the love. Is they call me Mots because there's there's so many Jameses. Like there's Clancy, there's James, there's this, there's Mots. <laughs> I'm Mots. Just call me Mots. That's who I am. I'm Mots. I'm Mots. Uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> it all ends up so Italian all of a sudden. Mike goes on to say, I had seen the Xamarin blog post about embedding native controls in Xamarin forms by using separate XML namespaces. The first thing I thought of was, Scott Hanselman has secretly joined Xamarin and is prepping for the reveal of one Xamarin, in the same way that he pushed for one ASP.NET. With this native embedding, the gap in API coverage between what you can do in forms and Xamarin native shrinks to about as small as you need it to be. This is awesome, and it is truly amazing that the Xamarin team has pulled off what they have so far. Writing a Xamarin's Forms app for iPhone in Visual Studio is a bit like juggling flaming bowling pins <laughs> while on a unicycle that is balanced on a beach ball in the bed of a truck heading down the freeway at 80 miles an hour in a snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder why I read Mike's comments. That's great. It's sentences like that that make this job worthwhile. Absolutely. <laughs> Got to have some sound effects in there too, like like the Fred Flintstone running in place. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, he's really excited to hear about the coming support for Mac desktop apps, which we heard all about at Build this year, right? So, because this is a two-year-old, you know, comment, there's a lot of stuff done there. And then he yalls, so I might as well yall. I don't normally yall, but I'm going to yall for you, Mike. All right, yall away. Y'all didn't go into it much, but the situation of emulators. Y'all didn't go into it much, but the situation of emulators or that the time between hitting F5 in Visual Studio and getting the app deployed to a VM or hardware device is still a bit brutal, averaging two minutes and 15 seconds on my current project. Well, that was two years ago, my friend. Yeah. I'm sure James has something to say about that now. We'll try to fix it up. Well, you know, we we at least got it down to two minutes and 14 seconds. That's for sure. (laughs) There you go. Everything's better. Incremental changes. In- incremental. Yeah. There you go. Okay. In my current dev setup, I use a Lenovo P50 Mini Monster, which is a good name, quad-core i7, 64 gigs of RAM, and 170-watt power supply. It's a lot of power for a laptop. Holy man. Hmm. Yeah. As the compute service, which hosts the VMware workstation, inside of which I have a Windows 10 Pro VM with Visual Studio and all the bits I need for the current contracting gig. Even though VMware has unofficial support for Hyper-V VMs, still not possible to run Visual Studio emulators for Android due to lack of proper Hyper-V support. Yeah. And VMware's response on this is along the lines of, well, it's unsupported, sucks for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah, I've gotten a couple of those responses from tech support before too. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. So outstanding job to James, Richard, and Carl. Xamarin and Microsoft are truly doing amazing things, and I hope that the Mots on Xamarin can be a quarterly feature on DNR. I try to make them a quarterly. The bugger won't even respond to my emails. He is so famous these days. You never call. You never write. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) I'm just heads down trying to make developers' lives delightful building apps. I got to stay focused. I got to stay focused. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a good enough excuse. I got time to talk to those guys. Goodness gracious. I'm trying to solve all their problems. Got to do real work. Make everything better. Mike, thanks for the awesome comment, dude. And thanks for listening all these years. 
Love to hook you up with a copy of Music to Code by, so send me an email. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code by, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code by. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell and I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. We promise not to mock you. <laughs> Much. <laughs> much. All right, let me <laughs> formally introduce James. James Montemagno is a principal program manager on the Xamarin team at Microsoft. The rest of his bio you can read at .netrocks.com because what else do you need to know? He's, he's the Mots. He's the Mots. James, welcome back. Yes, thank you for having me back. And I'm sorry I didn't make it a quarterly, but let's try. Let's make it happen because we do have a lot of moving parts. And it's, it's yet again an honor and a privilege to be on this side of the microphone talking with you two lovely gentlemen. Well, it's always a privilege to talk to you. And, you know, there's so many things that happen so fast. We, we need to have at least a quarterly. What's new in Xamarin land? Well, you know, I, well, I think, honestly, this comment from Mike, even though it was two years ago, I would love to unpack and just kind of talk through some of the things that, that we've been doing recently and in the past, too. So, you know, I think that with, with Xamarin, we've always been trying to focus on making sure that we're at feature parity of iOS and Android. So, you know, we just released right. Android P and iOS 12 previews and support out there just like last week, and we had long betas. But we also have a really big focus on ensuring that developers do enjoy our software and enjoy building applications with Xamarin, no matter how they're building it just for iOS, just for Android, Xamarin Forms, whatever they're doing. And I think a lot of those pain points are things that I'm really focused on on a day-to-day job here at Microsoft. So let me first unpack the build, specifically around Android build. We had a, a SWAT team kind of come in and look at our Android build over the last six months. And we did a few things that we announced at Build. So we've added some support for iterative building with Android applications. So we can be smart about when we need to recompile all of your app or bits and pieces of your apps or maybe just your .NET standard library or bits and pieces here. So that was a big chunk. And we also recently rewrote all of our resource parsing. So there's a lot of things that go into the Android chain of events, surprisingly. There's like AAPT, there's like Dexing, there's AOT, and there's all these different things that happen to get it onto a device. So we try to go through each and every one of those and where can we shave off a second here, a second there? Because every second counts if you're deploying, you know, 50, 60 times a day. But we we also recently did this thing called we call eager deploy. And eager deploy is really nice when you're deploying to a fresh emulator or you're switching between Android SDK versions. Because what Eager Deploy does is in the past, we would try to install bits and pieces onto your device or emulator that we need to debug your app in an order. So it was just synchronous. It was like, do this thing, do this thing, do this thing. And then someone said, what if we just, you know, fire those all off and just task win all, you know, (laughs) just win all, just, you know. And so what we do is we attempt to get your emulator or simulator device in a state where we can deploy a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the build while you're building. So we do not only your build, but prep your device for deployment at the same time. So that means that we can take a large chunk of time off. So with eager deploy in these increments, we've seen anywhere between shaving, you know, five to 10 seconds off all the way up to shaving like a minute off 
of some of these deploy times and these really, really huge applications that we build for like connect and build like these airplane apps and, mm. and hotel applications. So we've seen dramatic improvements there. And, and it doesn't stop there because we look at every single bit. So we look at Xamarin Forms, right? And we say, okay, well, Xamarin Forms, what's happening specific with Xamarin Forms XAML? Oh, well, we're, we're parsing some, some embedded resources or we're parsing the XAML compilation. Do we have to reparse the XAML? Can we shave seconds off of there? When and how are we doing that? So there's a lot of those steps that we've taken to try to shave as much time as we can off of it. Mm-hmm. So I think we're starting to look at a better place. So like if, if I was to compare and contrast, and, and Miguel had really good numbers during his session at Build, he put them side by side. He said, listen, like we were deploying previously in 90 seconds. Now we're down to 60 seconds for this app, right? Just side by side, same machine, same hardware. And 30 seconds, that's literally one third of the build time. So that's pretty impressive there. So we hope that that, that is like a key feature. And that's on both Mac and PC. So no matter where you're going, everything's cross-platform. But nice. the biggest thing is that emulator, right? We've talked about, you know, I've talked about my hate of Android emulators for a long time. Yeah, we all do. We all do. We're all just, it, it's complicated. You know, Mike, you know, he was in a virtualization area. I used to be that way. I used to run VMware parallels on a Mac. Now, mm-hmm. now I'm just on a Surface book. But so I have Hyper-V. Do I need to do Docker? And like everything's evolving around us where... Yeah, now I need to do Docker, so I have to have Hyper-V. So I can't run this x86 thing, which used to be fast. I, I guess I'll just plug in a device, right? Like, right. that's what you go down. So one thing that we announced, which will be rolling out in Visual Studio 2017, 15.8, which should be by this thing comes out, it's in preview today, is our initial support for Hyper-V with the stock Android emulators. Hmm. What are they? And haven't we been using them all along? Yes, that's a good question. Okay, so let me break down how this works. So we at Microsoft and Xamarin have been attempting to fix the Android emulators for a long time. So history, let's go down a little road of history here. We've been fixing to fix them. (laughs) We knew there was a problem and uh, we attempted to solve it. So we first had Xamarin Android emulators. Those were based on VirtualBox. Those, of course, have some issues if you're running it with Hyper-V virtualization. And then Microsoft, we said, hey, what if we just develop our own Android emulators on top of Hyper-V? We'll just, what, we don't care what Google's doing. We're doing, our own, we're doing our own thing. Okay. And those are great because they're super fast. They work on Hyper-V and that's awesome. Now, the problem there is that since they're not from Google, you don't get all the latest updates. You don't get Google Play. You don't get, you know, you don't get all the enhancements that they're doing. So we kind of fell back to this world where we said, wow, like Google really made their x86 Intel virtualization like really, really good. Like the new emulators from Google are fantastic. They have Google Play. Mm -hmm. They could be sandboxed or unsandboxed. You can do fingerprinting. You can drag and drop things. It's like really great. And they're supporting it finally. It took them 10 years, but they're doing it. Yeah. Now, the problem there is it runs back to the same old issue is guess what? If I have Hyper-V on, it don't work for me. Do I have a AMD processor, don't work for me. Hmm. So what we did is we said, what if we could get Google's official emulators to not run on Intel's thing? What if we could just make it work with Hyper-V? It's just virtualization, right? Yeah, right. It's either Intel's virtualization or our virtualization. So we work specifically with the Hyper-V team, some benefit of being part of Microsoft here. Sure, yeah. Is And we said, what if we could 
for the first time in history, add an API layer to make Hyper-V extensible to people outside of Microsoft. So we did that. This was in April creators update, uh, April update, whatever the April update was. April yeah, update, yeah. April, whatever the stones of red, there's lots of things. Yeah, sure. So around build, we put out this big update and it included Hyper-V extensibility support. So that was step one. Step two that we did is we made a pull request to Google to add Hyper-V support based on this new extensibility to the official Google Android emulators. Wow. And Google just the last few weeks released those. The benefit here is that now those emulators will work on x86, Hyper-V, or AMD. So this is slowly rolling out. So the fall is going to look really, really good. I'm really excited about it. I think we fixed it. I, th- I think I think we fixed it. So does that mean the emulator sort of runs in a little, uh, it's not a virtual machine, but it's sort of just a Hyper-V sandbox, right? Yeah, it's just instead of running through Intel's little virtualization layer, we just run it on our virtualization layer. Boom, done. Yeah. Wow. It's the same exact emulator. Literally, when you enable this support, your emulator is untouched. It doesn't care. It's just like, am I using this thing or am I using this thing? You'll just notice that it runs better, faster, all that. Exactly. Yeah. So, th- so that's it. And you, you can now then run Hyper-V. You can have Docker support. You can have your Android emulators. And now if you have a device that has that supported, you're good to go. Or if you have AMD, it'll now work on AMD. So really cool. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So hopefully... In the two years since Mike left the comment, we have not only improved the build times, but we finally maybe fixed the Android emulators. So I think it's going to be slow. There's a lot of machines, a lot of configurations, but Mm. some early signs have been pretty good based on on hardware. Of course, there's a lot of different hardware out there. So, but I am excited about that. Yeah. And the Xamarin Live Player is still rocking, right? Yeah. So the Xamarin Live Player has always been focused on a getting started experience. Mm Mm-hmm. It's only now available on Android, only because we, ha- you know, there's a lot of restrictions and changes Apple made to to the App Store and things like that. So it's still available on Android, so it's a good getting started tool. But I think what we're seeing is a lot of developers actually break through that really fast yeah. and end up needing to deploy to a device, use custom frameworks. So a lot of what I'm doing now is looking to say, how can we go to the next level of make developers really productive? not only in the IDE, but outside the IDE. So I thought the Xamarin Live Player was going to be the end-all, be-all of everything. But then I figured out that, you know, developers building real software, we do crazy stuff. (laughs) 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 And it's hard to handle that. So I think in the next quarter, when you have me back on, I think I'll have a lot to talk about in the, I call it the dev loop, right? The build, compile, redeploy. My goal is to shorten that so much that you don't even have to think about it. You're just, you want to make a change, you just make a change and and it works. So these are things that I'm fighting for here. So I'm really excited about the the future going down that route. Awesome. Hey, uh, hold that thought right there while we take a moment for this very important message. Hey, Rockheads, this is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Here to announce the NDC Sydney Conference, September 17th through 21st. Go to ndcsydney.com to register. Tell them Carl and Richard sent you. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks, Carl Franklin, Richard Campbell over there, and James Montemagno over there. And we're talking about what's new in Xamarin and iOS. Beyond the live player, 
uh, James, there's the iOS simulator, which I thought was super compelling because you can't touch a Mac. Yes, it's very true. You can you cannot touch them. I mean, you can physically touch the Mac. You just can't get the touchscreen to work because there is yeah. no touchscreen. Yeah. So I think, you know, when we talk about what that dev loop looks like for iOS developers, we've done a lot in that space. So I'm really glad that you you brought up this because in the past few months, we've added some really cool things. One, we've actually in the next release, this, this new release of Visual Studio 2017, We've increased the speed of the, the remoted iOS simulator. So if people don't know what this is, it's available for everybody, no matter what version of Visual Studio you have. You say, I want to you know, build my iOS application, see it on a simulator. You just hit F5 after you're connected to your Mac and boom, a simulator pops right up. Touchscreen support, screenshot support, rotation support, everything that you could want because it's actually an iOS simulator. So you have all of that. You can run multiple simulators but we've taken it a step further. We said, how else can we help developers be successful building and deploying apps? So naturally, you want to not only be able to deploy to a remoted iOS simulator, but you want to put it on your device. So we integrated into Visual Studio Wi-Fi debugging for iOS devices. <laughs> hmm. Cool. Yeah. So I use this every single day because I have a MacBook adorable. It has one port. Right. And that port is for Ethernet. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't plug it in. I literally cannot plug my iPhone in to debug it into my Mac. <laughs> so what you do is you pair your iPhone with Xcode on the Mac one time. And then over your Wi Fi, your iPhone is discoverable by Visual Studio. Right. So when you go in and you say, I want to deploy to iOS, you say iPhone, and there's it says iPhone, whatever the name of it is, and then it'll be like network connected. And you say debug, we shove everything over the Wi-Fi network and start a live debugging process to debug your iPhone application over Wi-Fi. So now you truly can leave that Mac over there because you got the simulator, you got the device, and even better, we integrated iOS auto-provisioning for your iOS applications. So this means you don't have to worry about provisioning profiles, registering your Mac, doing anything. You literally first just point your PC at a Mac. We'll install all the bits that you need, even if you don't have Visual Studio for Mac installed. And then you just sign into your Apple account and we'll handle registering your Mac, registering your device, registering your app ID, entitlements, get everything going. So when you hit F5, to deploy it onto your device, everything just works and it takes seconds. It's it like it this used to take me days to, to get right. set up. Awesome. And now it's it's literally a radio button <laughs> inside <laughs> of Visual Studio, which is so cool. Push the button. Push it. Just push the button. <laughs> Go. Nice. And I gotta jump back to the beginning of that. Did you say MacBook adorable? Yeah, I was Googling that too. That's a thing, apparently. What's an adorable? That's too clever a name for Apple. It's like a small MacBook with no ports. Well, you mean like all MacBooks. <laughs> got to pay extra <laughs> for the ports. Even less ports. Yeah, you, you, gotta, you <laughs> can only get so many ports. So, so there's, there's the MacBook Pro. Then yeah. there's always been the MacBook. And then there was right. the MacBook Air, which they haven't updated in forever. So instead of updating the MacBook Air, they created a lighter, thinner MacBook called the MacBook. And... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of iOS developers call it the MacBook Adorable, and John Gruber and a bunch of other people call it the Adorable. 
So I have a, a rose gold MacBook Adorable, eight gigs of RAM. <laughs> it has a, a mobile processor in it that I'm sure my Pixel 2 is much faster than my MacBook. That's my that's my main build host. It just sits there and it just builds iOS apps. And that's it. MacBook Adorable. It looks beautiful. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's adorable. It is adorable. It's mm. adorable. Yeah. It's yeah. like a computer, only cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. That's funny. I still have my Mac Mini that I use for that at home. But uh, my MacBook is, you know, has boot camp and does both OSs and I can do that. I did that for a while and it's just tedious because using Parallels, Visual Studio and Parallels is just kind of meh. Yeah. I'm so Mac and Cloud, that's, that's what I like. Yeah, I'm a big fan. You know, I, I've gone back and forth. A lot of people ask me what my ideal xamarin setup is and and to be mm -hmm. honest it's it's always been previous i would say oh buy a super powerful macbook run parallels do all this stuff and then all of these things that we started integrating into visual studio 2017 mm. kind of made it so like i would rather just have a really beefy laptop or desktop at work and just have whatever mac over there it's not doing anything it's just sitting there right 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 and when i need it i'll remote desktop into it but besides that I would rather have a full machine dedicated, like ready to go. Yeah. And, and that's how I really like doing it because I find myself really productive in VS 2017 on a PC because I write a lot of libraries and crazy .NET standard shenanigans <laughs> and, and whatnot. And I hope that eventually we put, we will talk a little bit about a big project I've been working on called Essentials. But a lot of that is really powered by 2017. So we even recently redid all of Xamarin Forms IntelliSense 100%. We hmm. integrated the, WPF and UWP IntelliSense engines. So you get light bulb support, you get squiggly support, namespace resolution, suggestions, nice. binding completion. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, that sounds great. You mentioned libraries. You, you're well known for building Xamarin Forms components and Xamarin components. So is that something you want to talk about? Yeah. You know, I think in the past, I've come on to .NET Rocks and I've talked about the beauty of open source, you know, a lot of people contributing not only to Xamarin, but to .NET and to this ecosystem around Xamarin. And I think there's two important aspects to Xamarin. It's that we've always supported the native platforms, but all those native APIs. But as time goes on, and as Xamarin forms become so much more powerful and like the end all be all of building cross-platform apps with XAML, mm. just to build anything for iOS and Android, the missing piece there so no matter how you're developing with Xamarin, is that you want access to those native APIs through a shared single interface, right? So if you want to go learn about connectivity, like am I connected to the internet and you know register for event changes, you got to go learn three APIs. Yeah, they're all in C Sharp, but there's three APIs. So I had a big initiative maybe mm, two and a half, three years ago called Plugins for Xamarin. And I think I'm pretty sure we mentioned this previously. But I worked with the open source and I built tons of these things that abstracted a single API. So taking a photo, connectivity, compass, geolocation into a NuGet package. So I want geolocation. Give me geolocation for Xamarin. Boom, I got geolocation. And that abstracted API calls into platform-specific code. So you're still getting that native stuff. So as time went on, this was great your community making tons of these things. But I learned a lot. I definitely made a lot of mistakes. And I also kind of realized that there was 
a few big issues. Every single time I would go to create a new Xamarin Forms or Xamarin project, I would go to NuGet and I would just type my name and install like 15 libraries. I was like, right. what am I, what, you know, this is how I build an app, which was cool, but had some weird side effects. So first, now that I've installed 15 NuGets, well, now I have 30 assemblies that I have to like, you know, JIT and compile up and get into my application. I have, you know, now 15 different APIs. And if it's not for me, the API is different, different levels of documentation. And at the end of the day, if I'm a developer working in the enterprise, I might have a restriction that I can only maybe use Microsoft official packages. Like that's totally a legitimate thing, especially when you're looking for long-term support, the LTS. And like me, like I've always been, it's open source. Just do what you want. You know, that's open source. Yeah, it's the source code's there. Do what you want. <laughs> Just do what you want. So <laughs> I got the green light from a gentleman you may have heard of called Miguel. Never heard of him. What's that guy do? That guy doesn't do nothing. <laughs> it doesn't do much. So I got, a, I got a green light to be a program manager of this new project with the idea of learning from everything about plugins and how can we make a single library for developers, no matter how you're developing any iOS, Android, or Windows 10 application, mm. and abstract as many APIs into a single, super tested, super well-engineered, super well-architected, super documented library that developers can add in in seconds and have access to a plethora of APIs. Wow. That must be version two because the first one was just a smattering, but now you've got a plethora. Yeah, we have a plethora, a cornucopia, if you will. <laughs> no, that's version three. That's Yeah, that is version three. <laughs> so we call this puppy Xamarin Essentials because it's essentials for any single Xamarin application. Nice. So with a single NuGet, you get access to, I'm going to list them all for you. Ready? Go. You guys ready? Go. The accelerometer, app information, battery, clipboard, compass, connectivity, share sheets, device information, device rotation information, email, access to the file system, flashlight, geocoding, geolocation, gyroscope, launcher to launch external applications, magnetometer, access to invoking the main thread, opening up a map application, opening the browser, an orientation sensor, a phone dialer, power information, preferences, Screen lock information, secure storage, a la the an AKA key store, mm -hmm. SMS, text to speech, version tracking, and vibration. Wow. That is a <laughs> lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So can you hook into the make it explode API? <laughs> <laughs> Do everything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold that thought right there because Richard, guess what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time for me to simulate, or maybe to emulate, hmm. a little humor. Now I'm going to simulate humor. You know, it might seem funny on the surface, but deep down, it's just a whole pile of dumb. <laughs> 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 and what would emulating humor be like then? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it would sound pretty bad, I think. It sound like I'm working too hard. Anyway, it's time to give away a free conference pass to Tech Bash that's happening October 2 through 5 and up to four nights at the Kalahari Resort in Pocono Manor, Pennsylvania for the event. Compliments of Progress Telerik. If you want to check out the event, go to techbash.netrocks.com. But first, let me tell you about the most comprehensive developer toolkit for building modern apps on the market today. 
Telerik DevCraft. With more than 1,100 Telerik.net and Kendo UI JavaScript components and controls, you can easily build modern, high-performant web, mobile, and desktop apps as well as chatbots. The toolset also includes reporting solutions, automated testing and productivity tools, and comes with a range of support options. New this year is a free online training program for all license holders. With this, alongside thousands of demos with source code, comprehensive documentation, and a full assortment of Visual Studio templates, you'll be up and running with Progress Telerik and Kendo UI tools in no time. Download a free 30-day trial today at telerik.com download. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Kunal Deo. Congratulations, Kunal. Congratulations. I'll clap for you. Yeah, and Kunal just won a free pass to Tech Bash that's happening in Pocono Manor, Pennsylvania, October 2 through 5, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you'd like to be a member, it's easy. Just go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. All right, James, it's your turn. You have five grand. What would you do with it? What would you buy, sir? Mm, it's always a great question. Last time I talked about building a new dev machine, talking about build it, build yep. hosts and things like that. You know, I think I'm kind of changing a little bit of what I want. And I, I did a Twitter survey recently and, and asked people if they would be interested in watching me live stream building an application from scratch. And I had like a thousand responses to it. And I nice. realized that I, I don't have any setup for it all. I have like crappy web camera. I have an mm. okay microphone. I do podcasts. So that's good. Yeah. But I don't have like, I don't have the, the monitors, the rig, anything like that to be professional, like a nice camera, the backdrop, that get cool gaming seat. So I, <laughs> you know, I always wondered why you called your podcast, like some of the most nerve wracking situation, like merge conflict that, you know, merge conflict, ah, just, oh no. <laughs> or were you thinking, oh, you know, developers, a merge conflict is a, is a challenge. It's a puzzle to solve. <laughs> well, you, you know, with merge conflict, Frank and I sat down and we said, we got to come up with a name uh, for this podcast. And we wrote every single Git and <laughs> Git related thing that we could think of into a I love uh, into it. a spreadsheet. And then Merge Conflict comes up and I go, oh, this is perfect because Frank and I, we often agree, but we often disagree. So oh, we always right. run into our own. Yeah. So I would say with my five grand, I want that full Twitch you know, streamer setup. I want the chair. I want the green screen. I want the soundproofing. I want the expensive camera. You want to be like Jeff Fritz. You want to Jeff Fritz it up. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be like Jeff, uh, Jeff Fritz. Yeah. $5,000 and you yourself can become just like Jeff Fritz. Every time I talk to him, oh, you got to get a switch your frame flapper gaba. You know, it's only 300 bucks. Here, I'll send you the link. It's only $300. Here's my affiliate code. Yeah, it's only $300. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> he's awesome, though. Seriously, he's figured it all out. He's got it. I, yeah. I had a meeting with him. I said, how do I do this? And he's like, oh, boy, get ready. I was like, all right, lay it on me. Yeah. You got to go on a show, actually. He has a ton of fun. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I think learning 
development nowadays is really changing. A lot of people, they still love documentation, love the plural sites, all that stuff. Yeah. But being yeah. able to interact, right? It's the reason I love presenting. It's the reason yep. I love going to hackathons. That interaction, I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm really excited to get into it this fall. Love it. Yeah, it's very, very cool. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the Xamarin Essentials, and of course, it's a play on Web Essentials. Yep, that's exactly why I named it that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Move over, Mads. Here comes the Mots. Mm -hmm. But Web Essentials sort of went away, right? Like he decomposed it into different pieces. There's still a thing called Web Essentials, but all it is is giving you a list of NuGet packages to load. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, that's what plugins, we went the reverse course. We said there's too right. many NuGets, there's too many things. Yeah. And we said, we'll put it in one. And yeah. it's a beautifully yeah. architected solution. And I, I wrote more documentation for this thing than I ever have in my life. So it's crazy well documented. I'm, I'm very excited hmm. because it's important. You know, if it's not documented, it might as well not exist. That's yeah. a lesson I learned early on. So sure. yeah, then we went the reverse course because of the build system. And some people may say, like the number one question I get, and I'm sure you're thinking of it is like, whoa, you added like 35 APIs. Like, isn't my application going to be bloated and like huge sure. and like, whoa. And the answer, no, why would I do that? Why would we do that? No, of course not. <laughs> we have this amazing technology called the linker. So we built this library to be. <laughs> the, linker. No, the linker. The linker. That's amazing. The linker links away all the stuff you don't use. So yeah. What's cool is that we made this linker safe. So no matter what level you set, so people can set none, so you don't link anything, but there's two other levels, which is link only Xamarin stuff or link Xamarin stuff and all the other stuff. So even right. if you say link only Xamarin stuff, we set a flag that anybody can do to say, hey, we want to be included in that list. So right. I actually upgraded an application, which was using about 10 plugins. And it had 45 assemblies. After removing all those, adding Xamarin Essentials, it went down to 28 assemblies, and it actually decreased my app size. Hmm. So, like the same build process, and I didn't have to change hardly any code. I had the same exact feature set. So I wanted to do a true testament to say, like, we not only architected this great, but we really thought of performance and right. app size concerns. Awesome. Yeah, and and like you said, you only link in what you actually need, which is kind of funny because we call it the linker because it's supposed to import those things, but it also doesn't import the things it doesn't need to. So it's kind of the unlinker too. Yeah, it's the unlinker. Remove all that. I don't want that. You know, I think of it as shaking a tree. That's what I call it. So you think of this beautiful <laughs> tree, you're play, playing Legend of Zelda, right? And there's beautiful apples. And the, the apples, there's two sets of apples. There's really like juicy, nice apples that you got to kind of tug on, right? Because those are active. Those are being used. Right. But then you have those other apples that have been up there too long. They're rotten, decaying. And when you shake that tree, everything that you're not using falls away. Hmm. That's what it does. Right. Mm. Yep. Hopefully that makes some sense to people that are new to it. But I'm really excited because imagine now you're a new developer or an existing developer. You say file new. You not only have a beautiful, vast, cross-platform user interface library, but now you have over 35 plus APIs accessing native features at day one. And you learn one API, not 100 APIs, right? Yeah, and right. I think that's what's important. I'm really excited. It occurs to me that I mean, web world and mobile world live differently. It's not a big deal to have a stack of DLLs sitting on a web server in case they're needed. Mm -hmm. Where it is a big deal when you have to compile that all together into an, an application that has to be deployed to a phone. Mm. 
So it's just the difference in, in lifestyle, essentially, of the kind of software you're building. Yeah. Yeah, it, it truly is, especially when you look at Android devices and the vast array of yeah. tens of thousands of different Android devices out there. And every little bit that you can shave off to decrease that startup time and make your app smaller, and that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, no question. It's just a challenge. You've got to keep it lean. It's still, that's the resource-constrained device. As much horsepower as those phones have these days. Indeed. Yeah, you're looking at them and, and we think, you know, we're walking around with Pixel 2s and, and iPhone Xs and it's not the case for everyone. And, and even though they are powerful, like gigs of RAM, right? like my more quadruple bajillion times the, the RAM that any of my first computers had, hmm. like they still struggle to load up, you know, a bunch of DLLs and JIT across those. And because on mobile devices, there's so many things fighting for resources all the time. So, yeah. So I think that's another thing too. Yeah. 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 So is there anything that you can tip us off to about stuff that we haven't talked about that's coming down the pike? Well, you know, I think that there's a lot of exciting things that happen in, in Xamarin Forms 3.0. We just had 3.1 come out, which added a whole lot of these new things called platform specifics that I'm really excited about Ooh. because platform specifics, like Xamarin Forms is cool, right? Because you get a single UI layer for iOS, Android, and Windows, and you're like, cool, this is great. But then what if like iOS does this other thing? Like how, how come like they have like safe areas and they mm -hmm. have like big toolbar things and like Android, like their tabs can be on the top and on the bottom, but like, oh, how come Xamarin Forms can't do that? So mm -hmm. the Xamarin Forms team tried to solve that by introducing these things called platform specifics and there's about like 50 of them today it's one of my favorite topics to talk about because they're like little little hidden nougats of, of joy like gems of, of <laughs> awesome yeah and platform specifics allow you to access platform specifics from shared code ah. so what i mean by that is you're able to easily go in and say oh on ios you import an ios namespace you say oh this page prefers large titles or I want to adjust the scroll view or separator style on a list view. Or on Android, I would really like to make the tab bars go on the bottom and I want to adjust the colors or I want this view to be elevated a bunch, you know, and you have access to a bunch of these little tiny tweaks, right? You kind of spice up your UI. Your designer comes to you and it's like, it's got to look like this. And you'd usually have to write a custom control or you'd have to write an effect. But now they're just built in, like they've done the hard work for you. So you can come in and easily, you know, tap into these APIs. So they've added tons of those, but they also just added stuff that we wanted, right? So in 3.1, a big feature list was, hey, like a lot of people are writing a bunch of code and like, what if like they just didn't have to? For instance, like an entry, like when you're entering something, like mm -hmm. what if you could just control like auto capitalization or suggestions or the return button? You know, so now it's just a property. Just say like return type, send right. or or enter, you know, yeah. inside of it. Turn on and off text prediction. It's just, it's a little property, but when you have to go write platform specific code, you're like, ugh, like why? Like, why can't this just be built in? So like, they're just building it in now. Like, mm. <laughs> that's what they're like, let's just do it. And I know the community had a big sprint and David Ortnow is working on a lot of that stuff. And 3.2 just came out in a preview form. So there's a lot of new cool bits there. But I think it's a lot of these small incremental things. Like we laid the foundation down and we're just listening to developers and saying like, hey, how can we make your life 
you know, better on a day-to-day basis. So is it something we can do in Xamarin Forms? Is it something with the IntelliSense or can we make that iOS deployment a little bit smoother? Yeah. Because those are the things that you don't run into them all that often, but when you do, they're like a big headache. And if you run into it, other people are going to run into it. So we're more than anything, you know, I've been interacting and chatting with so many I always talk with all of our developers, but working really close with the teams here to say, hey, let's just nip it. Let's 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 do this. Let's like this is gonna make our developers' lives happier. Like yeah. let's just do it. All right, here's a question for you, James. Hit me. Shared or .NET standard? Go. .NET standard. .NET standard. That's all done. the way. Boom. Done. All the way. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So you might be saying, well, James, oh, that sounds like a tricky, tricky question. The answer is no. I think that with .NET Standard 2.0, all my problems are really solved. I mean, system IO is in there. Like, you just system IO, you're good. That was like my my level. Like, when can I move to, to .NET Standard? Yeah. The difference here is that if you're an app developer, you kind of want that clean separation of code mm-hmm. and you're probably going to be writing some interfaces or accessing some things that way. And that gives you a single DLL to to code against. It also makes your build faster because shared projects actually have to copy your files in and diffing the assemblies a little bit harder. So mm-hmm. I actually believe with no scientific proof at all or any studies that I've done personally, that Dynas standard will make your builds faster. So But the thing with shared project that people really liked was usually for library creators. They could say, I could conditionally compile something. So just write in the code, I could say, if iOS do this or if Android do this. And one thing that we recently started doing in Visual Studio 2017 was this thing called multi-targeting. Right. So if you look at the Xamarin Essentials code base, it's one project for Xamarin Essentials. And we use multi-targeting and have a file association. So it'll be like compass.ios, compass.android. And at build time, it goes and it figures out what CS files to include. So you can actually use that in app development or library development. And it's really, really nice to do. So I think that the tooling in there will improve. I still think it's more of a library developer thing. But I don't know. I just think .NET standard, it makes life easier. Like here's the API. And with Xamarin Essentials, there's like less need than ever to go tap into that platform specific code. Mm. Yeah, okay. That's me. What about you? What do you think? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, no, yeah. I'm not at all. <laughs> I just remember that the PCL mm. solution was the preferred solution over shared. And then for a while there, it was no, definitely use shared because I don't know, it worked better at the time. Mm-hmm. And now that .NET Standard is in there, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. It's the evolution. You just literally described the evolution. It was like, man, PCL is great, but then it has all these shortcomings to it. And then, oh, Shared Project sells all these things and then it has all these shortcomings. And then now it's like .NET Standard is here. And the cool thing about .NET Standard libraries and how they work is that the API is very much guaranteed. It's not a mystery of what's in my API. PCL was like, what is in this thing? I don't even know what APIs I'm going to have. This sounds like a great time. <laughs> now it's on a st- <laughs> like, like, ooh, mystery. I checked this checkbox. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. So, so the cool thing with .NET Standard is it, it can evolve and the platforms evolve with it. And I think what's nice about .NET Standard is, is that it really allows you to make a library that can truly be shared everywhere without really having to think about it. So we can go to .NET Core and go to ASP.NET Core, to Xamarin, to Unity now mm-hmm. has support and things like that. So 
it really makes it like, I just want to write some code and share it. And this is a DLL that'll allow me to share it everywhere. Yeah. You know, in my work on the history of .NET, you know, talking through these changes that we went through, it was just like, it was learning when they used it that, you know, as more platforms came in play, it became harder and harder to manage. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, th- I think it's easy for people to get angry. It's like, well, you I ha- you made me learn this. And you said, no, 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 now learn this. And then you said, oh, no, no, better learn this. <laughs> like, no, we. it's not until it really got in the field that you understood the, con- you know, PCL had the N plus one problem that as the number of platforms increased, it just exploded into this thing that became unmanageable. Yeah, and too small a subset, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's that something that naturally leads to the minimum subset rather than leading to the maximum set. Yeah. Yeah, always be, you know, why keep removing APIs? I want more APIs. That's right. Yeah. And that's really what it solves. Mo better. Yeah. And uh, one of the shows that we just did a little while ago, well, I did, it was part of the Telerik web tour, the modern web tour with Laurent. And he was talking about, as a guy who built MVVM Lite, it's like, my goal as, a, as an API builder is to build to the lowest level of standard possible. Mm-hmm. But as a developer consuming these APIs, you want to go to the highest level possible so that you yeah, get the yeah. most features available to you. Yep. So it's just it was a great piece of thinking from a guy who's clearly been building open source projects now for bloody 20 years, right? That's why this model's so compelling, is that it allows us to do the best whether we're API builders or API consumers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what about a wish list for you? What do you wish was better? <laughs> and things that are outside of your control, obviously. Yeah, oh, that's a great, that's a, that's a tough question. I wish every, I mean, I, I always want everything to be better. You know, I think with, with Xamarin and how I work, I've now been doing this for, uh, what year is it, 2018? So yeah. seven, seven years. I've been building mobile apps for over seven years with Xamarin and presenting on Xamarin for almost five years professionally. And I think we've come a long, long way. You know, my wish list is, is always more of stuff, right? I, 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 want, I want a world where, where I don't have to think about writing a custom control and I don't have to think about going and finding another NuGet package, that everything is just there for me yeah. from day one, right? Just keep adding more. Like I am enthralled by the latest versions and have been for a long time of Xamarin Forms and building apps. I think it's super delightful. I'm, you know, I can pump out an app and I can not only just, not only just a sample app, like a real, a real, real application, you know, and I, I'm really excited to see the toolkit that it offers grow. Mm. And I think my wish list is that we, you know, it's, it's what I work on on a day-to-day basis. So I guess I have some control over this is to keep increasing developers productivity. Yeah. Because I don't need to invent something new. I'd like to invent new things, but if I invent something new, or take what we have and I can make your life as a developer more delightful. And what I mean by that is shave 10 seconds off here, make things render faster, right. make your application load, add a few more things. Like you're going to like it. You're just going to like your day to day more. Mm. And I think we've been getting there. I think we've been really focused on that. I think just that's my wish list. It's just more of those small iterative let's make the day-to-day life of our developers just more delightful because just turn up the awesome turn up the awesome turn down the suck <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you, yeah you, you don't want to turn up the suck i just always want to improve that and, and i think it's a really big push in the entire visual studio kind of org like if you look at even recently like unit testing in visual studio 2017 they added like a little spinner 
like in there like you can now see what's running and where's running i was like that's the best feature ever like it doesn't yeah. cut off the name and i'll like, say yes right small things it's the small things but yeah i'm i'm excited for that and you know i'm also excited in general to see where else this whole thing goes you know it's right. it's really exciting someone asked frank and i recently like what do we think the future of of app development is is it all going to be web is it all going to be native and I go, man, I think just native right now is stronger than ever because so many new opportunities with augmented reality and machine learning and AI are kind of unlocking those native capabilities again. It kind of went down where we're like, all right, we're just right. getting data, doing this stuff. But now all of a sudden, you're really getting access to a lot of those things that a browser just can't do. Mm. So I'm excited to see like what's next, what new devices, like are we going to get some foldable yeah. crazy thing from Microsoft one day? You know, or um, something crazy from Apple. Who knows? Crazy from Apple? Nah. Yeah. <sighs> I, I know. There's no crazy there. No crazy, just adorable. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been doing a lot in, in sort of keynote stuff and so forth saying, look, the smartphone basically as after iPhone shipped became all the same. The smartphone essentially ended 10 years ago. It's just been the same thing over and over again. Hmm. Now, when do we do something new? Hmm. Like, now mm -hmm. that we've successfully propagated it to virtually every adult on the planet, <laughs> now that we're all cyborgs, now that we've clearly demonstrated that everybody needs a technological extension to their body, what's the next one? Well, I'll tell you what. Simplification is it for me. I have a Galaxy S8 Plus, mm -hmm. and I've had, you know, iPhones and I have iPads. Like, I've had all of these things. Obviously, my favorite interface was Windows Phone. But the reason that I don't like this device is because if you just so much as brush it on the side or with your finger or something, you're combine that with the one second lag and you're in places on your phone you really never wanted to go. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it has so it's so sensitive and so just responsive to every little gesture and touch and movement and shake and that, you know, it's very hard to just use it as a, as a device, you know? Remember when a phone used to make phone calls? <laughs> that's like, crazy talk. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> makes phone calls anymore. I mean, that's one of the reasons that voice commands is becoming a good option, just because I don't want to take the 50 seconds of clicks and back clicks and, you know, to find the thing that I need when I can just say it. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm lazy, but it's really just tedious having to use a phone that's so sensitive. That's my biggest gripe looking at a conversation between two millennials via i believe it was whatsapp where they were literally sending audio clips back and forth to each other like you know you, <laughs> you know, there's a calling mechanism built into whatsapp you don't even have to change apps right but you know what here's the thing when you're talking live like we are now there's no yeah. such thing with whatsapp as the uncomfortable pause yes which millennials are very, and I won't say just millennials, but I find children are very sensitive to that uncomfortable pause, mm. you know? Whereas, you know, if you're WhatsApping, uh, you don't know what that person's doing. They might be no. in the bathroom. They might be making a sandwich. It is an evolved form of communication. I think the evolution is still happening. Yeah. It's interesting times. Interesting times. Well, I think that's about all the time we have speaking of times. And James, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. When are we going to see you again? 
Whenever you want me to come back on, maybe every quarter, maybe maybe every half. That's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> I pinged you for months to try and get you back on the show. Months. Snagged. I know. Well, you know, it'd be great one time if you're ever down here in beautiful Seattle, Washington, swing by Channel 9, get in our podcast booth. That's where I'm at right now. And maybe mm-hmm. we can record this thing live, stream Ooh, it to fancy. the people. I challenge you. I like that idea. Are you going to be at Dev Intersection? I don't know. Was I invited? I should be. Uh, I'll have to go back and look. (laughs) I think you're always invited. Yeah. What about Ignite? I will be at Ignite. Yes, I'll be at Ignite this year. Have uh, Mm. quite a few presentations. I'm very excited about it. So cool. If you're at Ignite, come come say hi. It's a very dev-centric Ignite this year. So that's interesting. Yeah. Ignite's been really growing in the dev scene, to be honest with you. I mean, mean, Build is huge, but Ignite is just, if people have never been in it, like, billions of people so many people it's crazy so i think there's a lot of good dev content if you can navigate the hundreds of sessions happening but yeah it's really good yeah yep. and the and the three time zones it's spread across yeah that's true that's true <laughs> that en- endless conference center yeah all right james we're gonna let you go until next time thanks again and keep being awesome yeah thanks for having me again an honor over here anytime anytime i tell you Uh i will come on to this beautiful podcast all right we're gonna hold you to that (laughs) thanks again we'll see you next time on dotnet rocks .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band.